I'm Arjun Chatter. I'm Ash Orlack. And I'm Lawrence Lee. And welcome back to the first episode of You Can't Podcast with Kids of 2021. We're back after about a week's absence. Um, I think it was quite a good week to not record, to be honest. Not just because it was a new year, but also because the football that was played towards the end of 2020 was quite um, dull. It sort of, the results, if I read them out to you, look almost like binary. So you have, since the last episode we recorded, you have Liverpool 1, West Brom 1, Wolves 1, Spurs 1, Palace 1, Leicester 1, Chelsea 1, Villa 1, Brighton 0, Arsenal 1, Burnley 1, Southampton, um, Sheffield United 0, Southampton 0, West Ham 0, West Brom 0, Leeds 5, so that was the one outlier. Then United 1, Wolves 0, and Newcastle 0, Liverpool 0. So quite a dull end to 2020. But of course, I think the key talking point is the games that didn't take place. Um, you had three, we have had three games the last sort of week and a bit that have been postponed. Everton against Man City and two Fulham games. Fulham away at Spurs and Fulham away at Burnley. Um, what do we think of that, guys? I mean, it, this sets quite a worrying precedent, doesn't it, Ash, in terms of the future rest of the season and you know the sort of fixture congestion that could take place? Yeah, I mean, it's not, not ideal at all. Um, we kind of knew that this was always a chance of this happening. And um, today we're, we're, on, we're recording on the, um, on the 4th of Jan. So Boris tonight is going to do some speech anyway about probably some new, some new national restrictions for everyone, like in March. So, um, you know, we always knew that this could happen again if there's a second wave or whatever and football would be cancelled as it was last year. Um, and it's just kind of what's happened. Um, not really much we can do. Um, I'd be interesting, interested to know if football is cancelled again with this new lockdown that's probably going to come this evening. I don't know. Uh, we'll see. Um, there is definitely more provision for it to stay on than it did last time, given that you can just return to no fans in the stadiums and you can just test everyone and only allow you know a few journalists and players to be at the game and it should be pretty secure. Certainly if you spread everyone out. Um, so maybe there's some more chances of, of, of it carrying on. But having said that, you know, if you have footballers doing what I think Mendy and, and Carl Walker have done, which is go to parties and you have actual COVID outbreaks in teams like we seem to have had with Fulham, then, you know, that becomes much more untenable um, because the project restart and, and what's happened since all depends on, on the teams themselves being obviously COVID free and operating in their own bubbles, COVID free bubbles, which which isn't possible if players are breaking bubbles or if for whatever reason, other reason there is COVID outbreak um, as there is at Fulham. So, so we'll see. Um, obviously, the, the health and safety of everyone concerned comes first before the football, and I'm sure that they'll make a decision soon about whether it carries on. But yeah, I mean, in terms of an issue of protocol, Man City, I remember, were quite ups- um, sorry, Everton were quite upset about Man City's uh, cancellation. Apparently, they didn't use the correct protocol or something because it was apparently a unilateral um, decision by them to cancel it rather than a decision from the league. So Everton are, I think, still awaiting a full explanation. Um, because we've seen other teams this year have COVID cases, whether it's Liverpool when Thiago and Shakiri and others all came down with COVID um, and, and play through that, you know, as they would with, with ordinary injuries. Um, whereas Man City decided not to do that. And Everton, I think, rightfully are looking for an explanation. Yeah, you've also had lots of COVID outbreaks, especially in like the lower leagues and Championship League One, League Two. And for there, it's quite worrying because literally on like Boxing Day, I think over half the games in League One and League Two were cancelled. Um, because of this, and that that's definitely worrying for like the EFL how they'll go about playing it. Um, Lawrence, what are your thoughts on like the future of the season? Do you think it'll go ahead? Um, I personally think that we'll be fine in terms of football going ahead. I think that as I said, there's there's sort of certainly lots of sort of protocol that's in place for it to carry on just without fans, as it was in Project Restart. Um, but what do you think about it? Mm, I don't think it's any coincidence that 
um, the recent sort of postponement of games is uh, is linked around the festive period. I know that the in the Fulham case, for example, it's reported that Mitrovic went attended a New Year's party in contravention of the coronavirus protocol. Um, so there's been a lot of, you know, obviously as we discussed, a discussion about whether they sh- we should put in place a circuit breaker. I'm kind of on the Gary Neville side where I'm I'm thinking, you know. Um, these cases have been, in a sense, isolated, as in um, a few players have broke coronavirus protocols at specific clubs. Um, this doesn't apply to all 20 Premier League teams, and I think that generally um, the Premier League has been quite good with its testing and its you know, uh, keeping inside the bubble. So I don't think a circuit breaker would be necessarily the best idea. Obviously, it relies upon the players continuing on the whole to you know, behave sensibly. Um, but yeah, it is obviously a shame uh, uh, for the teams that sort of have to suffer through no fault of their own in some cases, like with Everton, uh, potential fixture congestion late in the season. But you know that that's the times we're living in, right? So I I, I just think that um, I actually found the football over Christmas quite enjoyable, Arjun. I don't know why you you shit on uh, shit on the results so much. No, I certainly um, I certainly found them enjoyable, but the games like in the last three four days of the year were a bit dull in terms of the scoreline mm. at least. But the the sort of Boxing Day fixtures and the pre Christmas fixtures were certainly very good. Um, but yeah, 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 I agree, and I think I think it's just better for for everyone involved, unless there's a significant health risk for Premier League to the Premier League to continue playing, because I think it's. It's a really welcome distraction for all of us. Yeah, certainly. Times. Certainly. I mean, those first few months of lockdown was really barren um, in terms of like football. It was quite bad for like so our enjoyment of life, I guess, without any sort of sport going on. So it's certainly good that, you know, it's back on. Let's hope that it does continue to be so, even if Boris does announce more stringent men- measures and this sort of tier five or whatever it will be. Um, but let's move back onto the football. I think the most apt place to start would be at Stamford Bridge, where Chelsea lost 3-1 to City. Honestly, it could have been much worse. Um, City were 3-0 up after 35 minutes. It was sort of a rampant performance by them. I mean, for the positives, I mean, we won the second half, but I mean, I'm just joking. Um, Obviously, it's a very sort of serious discussion about the future of Frank Lampard. I think this is the first time um, in his tenure that, you know, serious conversations have been had. I think we've sort of gone from a sort of mere blip um, that we had, like, towards in the second half of December to a full-blown crisis now. Um, First of all, before I sort of talk about it, I want to know what you guys think about... Chelsea's future. Um, Ash, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I I, th- I would thought it was quite amusing when Lampard tried to compare compare himself to Klopp in the early years because, you know, um, Klopp, Klopp never got £200 million kind of just given to him in his first transfer window to spend on some pretty elite talent that you could slot in. And I think, you know, where I have sympathy, where I don't, where, where I kind of lack sympathy with Lampard is that in the same way as kind of Pep, Pep Guardiola, he's been given players and been given money and as a result, you know, you have to produce the results because it's on you. Now, obviously, you can say, well, Chelsea didn't expect to get results straight away from these players and, and fit them all in. Like, this is this is real life. It's not FIFA. Well, well I'd say, you know, well, they chose to pursue that kind of transfer strategy rather than maybe promoting talent within as they did in his first year, knowing the risk that, you know, you might get players that don't fit and work well and knowing that you'll be slotting people in in real life rather than in a game. And um, that's kind of... An issue that 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 you actually spoke about quite a lot, Arjun, at the start of the season when you bring so many players in, 
Um, and we'll just see. I mean, you've spoken a lot about Lampard's tactical and flexibility, and you can speak more about that than I can, given that you watch Chelsea more than I do. But um, if that is the case, and what you say is correct about the way that he misuses Werner and he can't find a way to bring all his forwards on, to, on at the same time, then he probably isn't good enough with the resources he's been given. And you could probably get someone in who uses the same resources far more effectively. Someone like Allegri is still available. Maybe Simeone will eventually leave. Um, maybe Nagelsmann. Um, you know, I think definitely Nagelsmann will be a great candidate for Chelsea. Someone who's relatively young and can get a lot out of these players. And especially players that have German experience. You know, Nagelsmann knows the way they play. He He's played in the same, managed in the same league as, as you know, Havertz and Werner have. And, and you know... So, so I think he might actually be a good candidate for Chelsea to get in if they do replace Lampard. I don't know what Lawrence thinks, but I think that Lampard only got the job in the first place because he was a Chelsea legend, rather than similar to Ole, actually, rather than because he was, had any managerial accolades. And that's kind of shown in Lampard's case. Whereas Ole's kind of um, starting to justify justify his, his, his tenure, perhaps. We'll get on to that. But but Lampard is now showing that he was, he was uh, promoted on... For reasons other than than competency and performance, as in Chelsea, unless he was a legendary player, would never have given someone who's had one managerial spell at Derby their their manager their their, their manager's job. Like, why would they? Um, yeah, they would never. Yeah. So, so I mean, they hire people like Ancelotti, who, who'd won a European Cup at, at um, AC Milan. They hire people um, like obviously Mourinho, who'd won a European Cup at Porto. You know, Chelsea Chelsea go for Premier managers to go with their Premier players often, at least. Yeah. And, and Lampard um, would know when, be nowhere near the Chelsea job ordinarily. Yeah, I mean, I can't disagree with you there. I, I completely agree. I was, you know, I was very excited when he got appointed, but I was also very sceptical. I mean, this is a person who's had one season managing a, a top club, and even that club wasn't wasn't in the Premier League. Um, Lawrence, what do you think about how this result, um, what, what this result means for Chelsea, like going ahead for the rest of the season, and also Prey City as well because they did play very well. Yeah, this is the whole crux of what I'm. My thinking is that, like, come on, guys, uh, crisis is too big of a word to use. Like, um, you lost three one to City. Okay, it was at home, but City are a very good team that played very well in the night. De Bruyne was absolutely fantastic, and Phil Foden terrorized. Um, Phil Foden and Sterling terrorized Chelsea's fullbacks, which can no, happen no, against no, Manchester. Let me interrupt you, Lord. I think it's a long, longer term issue. Is an argument. Yeah, I, I know. I know what you're going to yeah. say. Yeah, I'll go into that as in a bit. But... Um, you know, Lampard, you know, probably doesn't have the manager experience. He's making mistakes in the job, like, you know, Arjun's going to highlight. Um, with ha- Highlighted last time with Lampard substitutions, playing play- players out of position. You know, all of these are mistakes that you don't want to see from a manager. But let's not forget the run that they went on before. And I said at the time that Chelsea were beating and putting away these small teams. So, you know, like, we'll see what they're like against the big teams. They passed the Leeds test but they didn't pass the Arsenal test and they didn't pass this City test. Now, does this mean that I think we should be talking about Nagelsmann or whatever as replacement? No, obviously not. Like, I, this team still has a long time to, like, still should be given a long time to gel. Lampard should be given time in the job to work things out. It's, it's actually, I mean, the nature of the position at Chelsea is that you're always going to be under review, always going to be under threat, right? Yeah. But if, if Abramovich... If, if if I was a Bramovich, I would I wouldn't be considering Lampard's job at least until the end of the season, because it's only a few um, few games ago that we we're talking about Chelsea having the chance to go top. I mean, it's the nature of this season that that Chelsea are what like seventh in the league right now, eighth, right, eighth. Yeah. eighth. But you know, in a few few 
game weeks, yeah. they could be in top four. Yeah. And then we 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 say we said the exact same thing about Ollie at the start of the season. Ollie's oh he's under pressure now. And now look at what's happened to United. They're they're joint top. Like I I think it's really easy to build a narrative about Lampard as an inexperienced manager who doesn't know really know what he's doing. He's just a club legend, right? But you know you should take a man on his um his results and his philosophy and what he's bringing. And earlier this season he was putting in fantastic performances. So I think I think Lampard you know he clearly has to take a good look at himself, as he said in his post-match interview. He needs to work things out. Um, but And Arjun will probably talk about what he can do to improve. But, you know, it's it's kind of ridiculous and it's counterproductive to talk about a crisis or the fa- or his, 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 he should be, like, leaving the job or whatever, in my opinion, anyway. Okay, fine. That, that's an interesting perspective. I'm, I, I it really, I'm really conflicted here because I do agree with you, Lawrence, but I also do find myself leaning towards more what Ash is saying as well. First of all, I want to address the sort of Lampard v. Klopp comparisons. I mean, those those are just stupid anyway. Lampard, you know, inexperienced as we know, whereas Klopp had so much experience. Um, you know, took took a small provincial club in Mainz, got them promoted, led them to safety in like the first season, and you know, basically cemented them as a mid-table club, which is quite a good achievement. Then obviously we all know what he did at Dortmund, and you know we all know what he did there. Lampard has no experience. Secondly, you said like, well, we passed the deeds test. That's fine, and we didn't pass we didn't pass the city test. Fine. But we also didn't pass the sort of mid-table decent team test where we played like Everton, West Ham, Wolves, Villa. You know, we didn't really pass those tests, did we? We, we got four points out of four games there. So that, that's an issue. And I think the issue with Lampard is that, yes, I've highlighted like how annoying, how sort of ridiculous his tactics are, how sort of non- nonsensical his substitutions are. But I find he just, he seems to have like lost the dressing room. I know that certain players, if you look at, look at the Athletic article that got released literally at full time, uh, um, after the game yesterday, it reports that lots of players are, have like, are fed up with him, not being played. I mean, I don't think these players are sort of first-team players by any stretch of the imagination. They're sort of players like Alonso, Kepa, um, Rudiger, Tamori, but they're still sort of fed up with him. And I think that's translated to the, to the performance yesterday, where between like the 50th and the 60th minute, the Chelsea players were literally just walking around the pitch, so no effort, no desire at all to sort of commit um, and try and press. Um, the City players who just were strolling around. I think one of the commentators said it was basically like a training exercise for City. It was a really pathetic performance and it reminded me of a game a couple of seasons ago under Conte where we lost 1-0 to City and we just gave up. There was just no incentive at all to play for a draw even. It was just a terrible, terrible performance. And that, that ultimately, that sort of performance is what got Conte the sack. Moving on to like more broadly, um, the season as a whole, I do agree with you, Lawrence. Um, you know, this is clearly a bad run of form. Is it a crisis? I mean, yes, I would certainly say so because of the fact that the table so sort of squeezed together. You know, we, we're sort of re- we're very much in danger of falling away from the top four. Yes, we're only three points from the top four, but you know, if one or two more results go south for Chelsea in the next couple of games, then we're just completely you know getting sucked away from it, and the other teams are sort of pushing up. You know, Liverpool, um, you know, are at the top. I don't think they'll fall out of the top four definitely, but you know, all these teams, Spurs, United, City. Um, Everton, Southampton, they're all in the race, Leicester as well, and Chelsea can't afford to drop any more points. And I think that Lampard is so sort of naive in what he's doing that I, I don't really think that we can carry on with, with him for the rest of the season and like finish top four. I just genuinely think that. The issue is this Lampard was obviously like a project manager, right? And I think this is where you agree with me in that it would be stupid to get rid of him because of the fact that he's, he's appointed with sort of a broader vision if that makes sense, right? Yeah, I mean, I, 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 just, like, I would just like, you know, I think everything you said is right there. My, my, I've just got a question, just to clarify them. So, so where would you be happy 
are Chelsea finish this season? Okay, not how happy is Chelsea. Where would you be satisfied where Chelsea where Chelsea finish this season, given the amount of money spent, given you know what 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 would satisfy you that that Lampard is making? Or even what what position would you accept? I said. As in, what position do you think would show you, as Lauren said, that you were making sufficient progress to justify Lampard keeping his job at the end of the season? Yeah, exactly. Okay, but to answer that question, I just want to talk about what I said at the start of the pod. Um, Sorry, at the start of the season in the pod. Um, I said that last season was incredible, given the transfer ban, given all the context, to finish fourth, um, to get to the final of the FA Cup was a good achievement, yeah? yeah. This season, I said that, you know, to, to show progress, we've got to go, come top four again, you know, yeah. and, and sort of make a solid, not, I wouldn't say title challenge, but sort of be in the conversation for most of the season, yeah? Not get sort of sucked away, but sort of, you know, be second, third, fourth, around those places for most of the season. You know, fair enough if you eventually um, get, you know, sucked away from the title race, but just sort of be in the conversation. Ideally, win a trophy, and ideally get out the group of the Champions League and maybe get to like the quarters. Okay, you know, so right so now, say, right now we are on track for that, right? We are only three points on the top four. Yeah. Um, you know, we're out, we've got out the group, we have a really yeah. tough um, game against Atletico, and you know, we're still in we're still in the FA Cup and obviously still in the Champions League. That's fine, but it's the way it's the manner in which we're playing and the manner in which the season is going in terms of all the other teams. Like this is such a ridiculous season in that, you know, Liverpool, well, most you know. Every, every team is sort of doing quite badly, right? Even Liverpool are sort of drawing a lot of games. They're still top of the table, but they're, they're certainly not as convincing as they have been in recent no. seasons. Yeah, so it's such a weird season. With a win, with sort of two wins in the next three games, we could get back into top four. But I think yeah. the team sort of seems so sort of depressed and doesn't seem inspired by Lampard at all. And also, you know, ultimately, I would love Lampard to stay. I'd love him to be a success at Chelsea. But I've got to sort of reconcile my sort of appreciation and love as Lampard as a player with a sort of, pragmatic view that as a manager is he really all that we want him to be is he maybe perhaps more of a transitional manager you know he certainly you know did well last season getting us back into the top four he's attracted players he's helped um you know by all these players he certainly you know lots of these players are speaking about how they joined because of him etc i don't know whether you guys agree with that but he certainly played a part in, in attracting some of these players to the club is he all is that all he's meant to be is he just meant to be a manager who sort of takes us up a step in terms of trying to compete and trying to come top four again regularly, but do we actually need a manager who takes us to the next level? Um, if I mean, obviously, I'd rather him him stay. I'm not saying I'm Lampard out, but I think that serious conversations have got to be had about this. Um, would perhaps the best thing be sort of him just resigning or being politely sacked? Um, I don't know. I'm really, I actually genuinely am really conflicted. I don't, I don't really know which way I want to sort of commit to this. Um, but I think it would be interesting to see if if that conversation does happen. As we know, the Chelsea that I grew up with, that everyone here grew up with, is a, is a sort of ruthless Chelsea sacking Ancelotti the day after we finished, an hour after we finished second, sacking Di Matteo a few seasons after we, a few months after we won the Champions League under him. You know, this is a sort of ruthless Chelsea we're used to. Well, do, you want, does... do you want to go back to that? Because although <laughs> it's a bit immoral, it's very successful. It's very successful, yeah. And I know I know that you know lots of fellow fans of other clubs, you know, hate hate Chelsea for that their sort of, you know, lack of commitment to any sort of person. Um, I would personally rather see Lampard stay as a manager. We, we bought into a project here. But, you know, we don't want to go backwards. We don't, we don't want to regress. At the end of the day, we got top four last season with the worst side, um, none of these signings. And now that the season, the league as a whole seems to be getting harder to get top four, we are slowly getting sucked away from it. Um, if the conversation does happen... Um, you know, and, and I'm not going to lie, the last couple of days I've been thinking about who Chelsea might appoint because that conversation has been happening. So I've been thinking about managers like Tuchel, um, like Allegri, 
Um, so I, my dream manager would be a bit of a wild card. It would be Luis Enrique. He's obviously the manager of Spain right now. Um, so I don't see how we can sort of um, push him push him away from that and get him. But I, I'd love to see a manager like him in the Premier League. Yeah. Um, but, you know, yeah, the likes of Nagelsmann, Tuchel, Allegri, Enrique yeah. have been touted. And those would be very interesting signings. I saw in one sort of terrible source that, you know, it's probably not reputable at all that they might be trying to get Shevchenko in as an interim manager for the rest of the season because he's been doing well with Ukraine and obviously he's an ex-Chelsea player. I mean, that, I don't believe that at all. But um, I I, th- I don't think he'll be sacked, to be honest, unless we somehow like lose away to Fulham, lose away to Leicester in the next few weeks. Um, we do have a very tricky march. Um, I don't know if you've seen our fixtures. We play Leeds away, Everton, um, Liverpool... We've got the Atletico Madrid games. It's like very tricky. And you've got to think that if, if Chelsea, if Roman Abramovich does want to sack Frank, it has to be now, right? It can't be like later in the season. It has to be now um, before that sort of terrible run, a terrible sort of run of games happens. Um, Lawrence, if the, Lawrence, if the unthinkable does happen and Chelsea do sack um, Lampard, who do you think will sort of be a good fit for them? Um, and don't say Goose Hiddink. Avram Grant. Um, Avram Grant. <laughs> well, Avram, yeah. Grant, Avram Grant, statistically, in terms of points per game, is the best manager that Chelsea have had. Um, yeah. Which is very he funny. He didn't win anything, did he? Um, no, so he got to the final of the Champions League, yeah. uh, lost. Came second in the league. Yeah. Just just missed out, didn't you? You know, it, the thing is, I haven't even thought about a Chelsea replacement because I, I think, I, I just don't think that Chelsea should or will sack their manager this early. Um, the question for me is. January transfer window is open. Does Lampard get backed? Um, I mean, it's obviously it's really difficult to to know whether what Abramovich is thinking right now. If he if he's not convinced by Lampard's manager, he won't give him money well, to, Lawrence, to sign players. But backed? like, what areas, what gaps in the squad do they have that they didn't? The address? thing is, they've been backed, right? Yeah. The, but as in the, th- I'm talking about January after this sort of poor run of form. I mean, the, all of the talk is of of players leaving the club, not joining it, isn't it? Because people like Tamori, Giroud, Alonso, Kepa constantly linked because they're not in the side with yeah, moves I mean, away. There's so much deadwood there as well. You may have forgotten about the likes of Victor Moses, Drinkwater, um, just players, Baba Rahman, players who haven't played in absolutely ages. Um, I mean, we've been linked with Declan Rice for a long time. That is a that is a transfer that I def, definitely can see happening in the, in the near future. I'm not sure whether it'll happen in January, um, but I, you know, I I don't know whether he'll be backed or not. I mean, we've certainly got a lot of signings. Um, Havertz, the one that I was always questionable about was Havertz because you know, great player. You know, most goals in the Bundesliga, youngest player in, in the Bundesliga to score a certain amount of goals before turning 21. Um, you know, he's he's set records in the Bundesliga for like for his age. But he was sort of, I, I sort of saw him as a sort of luxury signing. He was available, we got him. Did we need him with the wealth of attacking talent we brought in and already have? I don't know. He's certainly taken time to adapt to the league. We all know how he's sort of still suffering from like coronavirus or like, you know, he's definitely like seemed quite lethargic. Um, well, I, and also the question, I guess, um, I'd like to ask as well is Chelsea are the kind of team right now that like, I feel like they need a signing, but I have no idea where and in which position because... I look at their squad and they have, they have a great starting eleven. I just, they're clearly missing something. Yeah, I mean, before this run of form um, happened, this run of bad form, I don't think it would be sort of um, wrong to say that Chelsea and United have like have a better depth than Liverpool and City do. But obviously, Liverpool and City have the far better like team, right, and far better managers. 
But in terms of like overall squad depth, Chelsea and United have great squad depth. So I don't know whether they need to necessarily add anything to the team, but I just think that, that we seem so sort of uninspired on the Lampard right now. And I mean, a change is needed. I certainly hope it's not a managerial change. I just think it's just, just sort of anything, um, you know, certain players lacking from confidence. Um, but yeah, I mean, the talk in the last couple of days is that, you know, this result was this result, this game was important. And it's the manner of the way in which we lost it that certainly raised a lot of questions. And that timing of that athletic article that literally came at full, stop, full time showed that this conversation has been happening for a few days, if not weeks, um, or at least like in the last week or two, right? They kind of just, you know, written it like during the game. So I'm not sure. Let's see what happens. It could very well be that the next pod we record could be talking about Chelsea's latest manager, but I certainly hope not. And, you know, let's see what happens. But... Um, Let's move on because I think you know that's this is certainly a topic that we can certainly cover in, in future pods. But moving on to another manager who definitely was under pressure now has sort of come out of it and doing quite well. It's it's uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Um, I still mangle the pronunciation every time. But yeah, they had two very impressive wins in the last sort of week or so. Uh, a, a scrapey one, the win over Wolves, and then a two-one win over Aston Villa, who themselves have done very very well this season. Lawrence, what do you think of these sort of? Um, two games and what it means for United who are now our joint top as all the sort of United pundits keep saying but are actually second because let's be honest they're not joint top yeah because of our inferior goal difference we are we are second but at, at this point in the season it, do, it doesn't really matter um, just to be in the conversation for the title at this point is a fantastic achievement for Ole given the fact that we've looked really awful for for large parts of the season and large parts of games but we somehow come up out on top and we get the results. I mean, um, we have the most amount of points from losing positions um, this season in the Premier League, which says quite a lot. Um, the game against Villa, uh, yeah, it was really end-to-end. And the thing the thing about Aston Villa is that they're not the team they were a year ago. They're actually they're, they're a proven Premier League outfit now They with fantastic attacking players, and they looked very dangerous for large parts of the game. Um, Jack Grealish, Bertrand Traore, uh, Ollie Watkins, especially. I mean, he's been especially really unlucky in front of goals, Watkins. But um, United came out on top thanks to um, an Anthony Martial header, Wan-Bissaka assist. That's one for the scrapbook, and a, and a Bruno Fernandez penalty. Um, and I mean, we haven't looked especially impressive against Wolves or Villa or Leicester, but we have um, seven points out of those of those three games. Um, and then, obviously, we have uh, a very important game against Liverpool coming up, which which is probably going to be the first United-Liverpool sort of title-deciding match. No, title, like, yeah, dependent match in a long time. Think, I don't so think you call it title-dependent, where and, it's literally... No, it's, it's, like, it's like the first... It's first v. second. It's old firm that's been relevant to the title since, like, 2009. Yeah, it's been a while, and and I think I think what United have had this season, I don't, I not I don't even know if the performance have been performances have been necessarily better because United can't string ninety minutes, um, a good ninety minutes together for for love nor money, but we're just getting the points, and um and I think that uh, what United, I mean the most sort of uh, delusional United fans will be saying, you know, the title is title is that I don't think. We should be thinking about that yet because our performance haven't warranted that. But you know, getting the points is is extremely important, and that's what we're doing against 
I guess what you could say the uh, the top four sides like Leicester, like Wolves, um, and yeah, very very impressive from United. I have to say, yeah, you have a midweek game against Man City coming up in the League Cup. Um, would you say it's important that you win that game? Um, yes and no, which is a very easy answer to give. But I think that the one thing that Ole hasn't had um, to sort of mark him out as a as a you know stable United manager is silverware. So League Cup would be important, but it it shouldn't really detract. I mean, a League Cup win shouldn't really, and a League Cup semi final exit shouldn't detract from the good work that Ole is doing right now. And I think obviously a match against City is always difficult, but this squad does need practice in big matches and practice winning trophies. So in, from that from that sort of perspective, it is quite important. Yeah. Ah. Yeah, I mean, I, I um, really kind of agree with Lawrence. I think people actually being slightly harsh against United by saying that they disappear for large periods of the game uh, and in a lot of games, I actually think that they're actually showing quite daunting title-worthy form at the moment because they can like not disappear but they can just pass the ball around and just keep possession in a pretty innocuous way for large parts of games and then depend on them depend on either tactical talent to just find a moment of brilliance or two that just gives you the the goals that you need to win the game and they as against Villa actually they showed some decent defensive solidity against a very good Villa side Villa had chances and United always can see chances but for some reason they don't really concede too many goals at the same time whether it's through luck or good saves or final last ditch tackles from Wan-Bissaka or whatever it is they managed to avoid conceding too many goals compared to the number of chances they concede. And they did that again against Villa. Villa had chances. Villa actually had a couple of sitters that they could have scored. But again, title-worthy form, title-challenging teams, you know, find wins in challenging games as Liverpool did last year. They get decisions that go their way, 50-50 decisions, you know, whether it's United's penalty where Pogba went down. And, and those things add up over an entire season. Like, I think that penalty was a penalty, um, but but it's you know that but it could easily have been said it was it could easily have been have been accused of Pogba tripping over so you know but that decision went United's way I think probably correctly and you move on and that's what happens when you when you're challenging for the title um, and you know that that's the kind of form that you need to show um, and I think United are, are doing pretty well um, in that regard and, and I don't think a League Cup form should really affect that. Having said that, I don't really like United fans saying that they're, you know, going to win the league now. I think that's quite premature and, and challenging, and, you know, and, and, and celebrating that their joint top, I think, is slightly pathetic. Um, and although Ole is doing well in the league, in fact, doing very well and overperforming, you shouldn't forget that United lost, you know, to, to their last two Champions League games, having only needed one point from either of them to qualify. Um, and that's that's pretty bad. Like, not even just rip from you ripping United from a Liverpool standpoint, that's just objectively a bad, bad, bad set of results there. So... Um, I think a good performance in the league this year, um, a top four finish, and maybe a good cup run or, or, or another Europa League win, if that's possible, will be will be a, a good season for United. It pretty much similar to last year, actually, where they eventually finished third. So, will that be enough for progress? I mean, I just hand that over to Lawrence. Lawrence, would you be happy with, let's say, you come third, um, Europa League final, semi final, and FA Cup final or FA Cup win? Would you be happy with that? I mean, I'd be, I'd be. Very happy with silverware this season. I don't have, I didn't have high expectations coming into this season. I didn't think United would make top four. So in for me, even just getting top four in the league this season and reaching a couple finals, you know, that would be fantastic for me. Um, the my big, I mean, there's a few things I want to point out. First of all, 
what was really, really encouraging for Ole, you can use this kind of a contrast to Lampard, was the reaction of the United players after that win over Villa. You know, um, Eric Wai made a last-ditch block um, at the end of the game and then all the players were hugging him and tickling him. I mean, it just shows a fantastic team spirit. The big question mark over that dressing room is Pog- Paul Pogba, who played at left wing against Villa in kind of a floating free roll and was absolutely fantastic, was at the heart of everything United did attacking. But that Mino Raiola agent link with Juve is not going away. So I think that has the potential to derail the system. Pogba is in great form right now. You might say suspiciously ever since his agent expressed a desire to leave. Um and that that kind of situation, as it develops, might cast a shadow of United season. It's something to definitely look out for. Yeah. I just want to point out the sort of almost forgotten team here, which is Man City. I mean, they, they, they were eighth yesterday. They had a win with Man City, um, which took them up to fifth, I think. Um, but now they're in, you know, with a game in hand, they have a point, chance to move a point behind um, United and Liverpool. You know, just if we just look at the table... They are, they're, they, they've been in very good form recently. They had a game against Everton, obviously postponed, but they've sort of been slowly collecting the wins and they look you know, in sort of slowly ominous form. They certainly aren't playing um, as sort of rampantly and as aggressively as they are wants to do in recent seasons. But I, you know, I do think that they will sort of pick up the pace, continue to pick up the pace eventually and sort of come back to the top of the table um, you know, and challenge Liverpool. I think that Liverpool and City will again duke it out for the title this season. Um, I really th- do think that un- this United run, whilst not being necessarily a flash in the pan, I do think over the course of the season it will sort of correct itself and they will sort of drop back towards sort of third or fourth. I still, I still am confident um, in the pejorative sense that United will come in the top four, um, but I don't think necessarily this, this, this title charge is like set to happen, right? Um, I just want to talk. I just want to ask you, Ash, about tonight's game, Southampton Liverpool. Um, obviously, your attention might be elsewhere. Um, for part of it, at least, on the on, with watching Boris's um, latest doomsday speech. But how do you think this game will go? Obviously, Liverpool have been sort of in stuttering form recently, I'd say. Um, this is certainly a tricky game away at Ralph's ground. Yeah, I mean, uh, yo, Ralph. But, uh, yeah. I mean, I've got to uh, um, say that uh, this is a really important game for Liverpool. I think it's a good sign of title of champions and title challenges in their own right this season to win this game after everyone's been chattering about how they've dropped points recently, how United have caught up. Liverpool have dropped something like uh, eight points a season against teams they should have beaten. They drew to Brighton, Newcastle, Fulham and West Brom, all of which teams that they should have definitely beaten, especially West Brom, which was at home. That was pretty shocking. Um, I think they just got unlucky with a bit of Allardyce's post um, hiring bounce, which seems to have subsided dramatically, but we can get on to that later. Um, I think um, Liverpool desperately need a, a win today. Other than, and then if, if they don't, if they drop points again, or let alone you know if they lose, then people will actually start talking. And it's it's not really a good situation to be in because Southampton are actually quite a good side. They've performed well this year, comfortably in the top half of the of the table. They they could even mount a top four challenge, looking at how topsy turvy everything is this year. Um, definitely at least a Europa League challenge. And Hasenhutl has them playing playing very nicely. Um, you have James Ward-Prowse on some beautiful set pieces, and, and and you know you put the ball anywhere 20, 25 yards out the box, he can do magic with it. So you don't really want to give away those kind of set pieces either. Um, and it's not really a game that you wanna you wanna go go and play. I mean, 
Man City again were also on a bad run of form, and and they were tasked with going to Southampton and and facing them at a bad time, and they managed to beat them and overcome them. And Liverpool need to do the same if they have any solid title aspirations this season. I think um, at least title aspirations that they don't want to have shattered um, very early. Um, in terms of how the match plays out, um, it's quite interesting. I think there's some rumours that Thiago will start, which is very welcome, because even against Newcastle, he injected some ridiculous quality into that last 15 minutes. And just the balls, the the way he was distributing, the pace of the ball, like, honestly, there's I haven't seen anything like it at Liverpool show ever, because this team, which is the best Liverpool team I've seen, obviously, um, deals with um, fairly industrious midfielders and, and then the front three and the full-backs offer the quality. Um, whereas Thiago is just someone from midfield that just offers traditional centre midfield distribution and quality that's just outstanding. And uh, even Trent Alexander-Arnold, who's been quite poor since his in- injury, um, put a, a beautiful cross-field ball that might be the ball of the season um, in the last game against Newcastle, but he was overshadowed completely um, in his ball distribution by Thiago, and we know how good a striker of the ball Alexander-Arnold is. So I'd be really happy to see Thiago starting if that's possible. Um, other than that, you know, the centre-back injury crisis continues. I don't think Matip will be fit for this game. So it'll be one of Reese Williams or Nathaniel Phillips who starts alongside Fabinho. That's always a, a worry. Um, and then you've, again, just got to go with the traditional front three because Jota's injured and there's no one to come in for them. So Liverpool need to find some quality from somewhere. And I think this could be quite a difficult game. And I, if I'm maybe slightly, slightly pessimistic, but I can see this being a tough draw for Liverpool, a 2-2 or a 1-1, and pretty frustrating and pretty negative, to be honest. Um, and if we are going to lock down football, it's a bad way to go into a lockdown. Hmm. Ash, you touched on West Brom's poor run of form since that Liverpool game. They lost 4-0 at home to Arsenal. Lawrence, thoughts on how Arsenal's seasons almost seems to have been rejuvenated following that Chelsea win? Chelsea ruined it for everyone! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they've let down the nation by allowing Arsenal to come back in the lead. Um, I mean, obviously, the big news that we, we didn't really cover um, over the Christmas period, you know, Allardyce is back, um, and it's all fantastic, and we love Big Sam. But as we said at the time, I think uh, West Brom is too big of a job to 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 rescue them from rele- relegation. And they looked quite positively dreadful in this game against Arsenal. Um, who are starting to find form, which is kind of worrying, given the fact that they're only like six points off the top four now. Um, it's kind of an... I mean, I, I, I don't exactly know where this has come from. It might be just, you know, momentum from the Chelsea game. Playing Certainly, playing. Uh, Arteta seems to be putting his faith towards players he didn't at the start of the season, like like Smith-Rowe, like Bukayo Saka, even Lacazette, you got a double in this game. Um because, I mean, I'm sorry, but Eddie Nketiah just should not ever start a Premier League game again. Like, like he's just been awful. Um, and, and I think that Arteta, he, he he did look panicked before the Chelsea game. He looked, you know, very worried for his own job. But I think now that the results are starting to get better, he's starting to evoke the memories of the end of last season. Yes, I think, I think um, that what I said, you know, you know, we should keep faith in Arteta, or Arsenal fans should at least. Um, it's starting to come true. Yeah, perhaps a lesson that sort of Chelsea fans and the Chelsea water take with Lampard as well. Uh, now that they're they're in a sort of similar similarly bad run of form. Um, but yeah, West Brom have also been shedding lots of goals. They've got the worst defense in the league. They were five 0 at home to Leeds um, just before the end of the year. Um, you know, that was certainly a very impressive uh, win by Leeds. I think it was one. It was 
the highest, um, the, well, the biggest um, margin of victory by a promoted team since I think Fulham, um, since I think Hull beat Fulham in 2013. I could be wrong, um, but you know it's only some quite some time. Um, but Leeds themselves got thrashed by Spurs um, on Saturday, three 0 um, You know, I, I know there are like lots of people. You know, Calvin of this parish sort of predicted that Spurs would sort of squeak out a win, um, shut, shut up shop, but they didn't. In fact, they sort of went on the went on the attack. Uh, and you know ended up winning quite convincingly. Ash, you know Spurs' attack has been sort of quite, you know, poor in the last couple of games. They haven't certainly been scoring as many goals as they were at the start of the season. But this result certainly must be encouraging for them, cementing their place in the top four for another week. Um, what do you think of this game? No, no, it was good, good from Spurs because they'd uh, come under pressure. Mourinho had come under pressure for his tactics, accused of being sufficient, um, overly kind of defensive, and um, their xG was really low in the previous game. And um, I can't remember who that was against actually. No, it was a poor draw, um, but they they struggled. And, wolves. It would yeah. Be wolves, yeah, yeah, um, and they struggled to create chances, especially in the second. Yeah, it was especially in the second half, and Mourinho would come under pressure, especially after his Liverpool performance as well for playing kind of anti-football, um, and he had something to prove, I think. And um, Spurs produced a quality attacking performance here. Son and Harry and Son at the centre of it again, um, producing some beautiful football. We had some spirited debate in the podcast group chat about whether Paul did, about whether um, Son is better than than Mane, um, and on this season's form, I think you know he definitely has a strong case, um, and you know I, I think I think Spurs can can rest more easily. They drop points against Liverpool and Wolves, but given how topsy turvy the league is and how the people around them are pretty inevitably going to drop points as well, look at Chelsea for example, they they can be pretty happy with securing their place in the top four again and. I think in Mourinho this season, getting top four spot after the the bad start to last season that they had um, would be a good good bit of progress for them. And then if they go out into the transfer window again, they can actually put together quite a nice side next year, especially with Mourinho's cut prowess um, and, and ability to win one-off games. Spurs can be back in the silverware, perhaps. You know, maybe that's cursed them, I don't know. But yeah. Another team that's in the top four and won again this weekend was Leicester. They beat Newcastle 2-1 away. They're only one point behind Liverpool and United. I mean, they are slowly racking up the wins. I mean, they're obviously in third place. So they can't be slowly racking up the wins, but they are definitely doing really well sort of under the radar. Lawrence, are they sort of title challenges or is it just a natural symptom of this, this season being so sort of uh, close to that this is the team that happens to be in third place, if that makes sense? I don't think they're title challenges, no. I think certainly they should be aiming for top four. Um, they're one of the teams that made did make a big step after last season. And is and they're the you know alongside Villa and Everton they're making the run for top four much more interesting. Um, it's another impressive victory for them today, as as we know I don't rate Newcastle at all and they are possibly the most boring team in the league. I know Ash will will shout Burnley at me, but that, that's just my opinion I guess. Um, I'm no, happy for Andy Carroll. Burnley have a good game plan and they execute it mostly, you know, fairly well. Whereas Newcastle don't seem to have a defined game plan, and their yeah. fans so aren't content with their game plan. Whereas Burnley fans, you know, are content with sort of how they play. It gets the results most of the time. Like it, and you know what? When Newcastle can see goals, it's it's just individual errors, as it was today. They gave away the ball just too many times against Leicester and um, Tielemans with a very nice goal. I think I think it was goal of the weekend. You sh- you really should check it out. Um, on YouTube, and I, I think that you know Lester and Brendan Rodgers have done a great job. 
and there's not really much else to say. I can't believe Michael Brighton still starts in this team because I, I mean, dude, he's like, he's, I, I think he's a championship player. No offense, mate. Did um, he score like the 20, 20 Premier League goal or something for Villa? I remember watching Sky. He might well have done. Yeah, no, yeah, he might well have done. Yeah. Um, somehow he's still in. That's his, his claim side. to fame, I suppose. But he got I mean, an assist. I mean, his claim to fame would probably be winning starting with Leicester as they won the Premier League, to be fair. Yeah, it's unbelievable, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. He's competing um, with Jeffrey Schlupp for that left midfield play. I mean, it's ridiculous, isn't it? So, I think Schlupp yeah, um, to be honest, but there you go. Uh, we had two more games from the weekend. Um, an unexpected thriller um, at the Annex as Brighton drew 3-3 with Bulls. I don't think anyone would have predicted this to be the highest-scoring game from the weekend. Um, but yeah, Brighton coming back from 3-1 down um, to draw. Wolves have looked... Um, Unex- like unexplainably sort of shaky this season, I think. Um, you know, they've they've done decently against the good teams. They've drawn at Spurs, drawn against Spurs, beaten Chelsea, but they haven't. They don't seem to be winning those sort of games against the lower lower half of the table that they used that we were accustomed to them doing in previous seasons. Um, Lawrence, what do you think about Wolves this season? Because obviously, you know, it might be a little bit concerning for them as well. Yeah, we, we've said time and time again, Wolves have been rocked by injuries, and I think, and the loss of Raúl Jiménez, and obviously the sale of Jota. To level have hit them hard, um, but they did score three goals in this game, which be of a comfort to them. Um, I Wolves, I don't know, I don't know what to say about them because um, in this sort of season where you have teams like Everton, Southampton, Villa, you know, staking a claim for you know the top four um, more so than ever, you'd expect Wolves to have been among those teams, but they seem to be just on the periphery, being threatened by the likes of Arsenal and Leeds this season. Maybe West Ham with a sort of you know upper mid table, but haven't really been able to get like a sustained run of form to sort of elevate them into the top of the table. Um, yeah, true. I I, just, I I think they just didn't make the step forward that other teams, as I said before, yeah. have done. And I think Adama Traore has his lock, loss of form will be a massive um, concern to you know Espirito Santo because yeah. he was fantastic last season, but just doesn't not producing the same Brighton on the other hand you know um they don't they haven't scored recently and that comeback from them really could kickstart their season um because Graham Potter has been under a lot of pressure uh they're sort of flirting around the relegation zone right now and I think I mean I think we all kind of like Brighton as a team and want them to stay in the Premier League so yeah they played quite nice football as well I saw a stat that if they keep up their current sort of expected goals record they'd be the best team to get relegated if they did get relegated in terms of like creating the most chances. So I, I think they certainly are a very exciting team to watch, but they, they just have issue with converting. Obviously, they've got three goals here, but generally like this season, they've struggled with putting away their chances. And I think they're, I think this may be outdated now, but until last weekend, they were like second in the league in terms of expected goals. Um, just, just shows how sort of creative they are, but they, they lack a finisher to properly put away those chances. Um, the final game from this weekend, I mean... Well, it was Sheffield United, and they lost again 2-0 away at Palace. Eberichi Eze uh, scoring a wonder goal. Really great goal. I, I I would nominate that as my goal of the weekend, personally. Um, and yeah, Sheffield United, I mean, let's not talk about them. They're, just, they're doomed. They lost again. Good result for Palace. Um, I mean, perhaps an expected result for Palace, but you know, certainly one that is welcome for them, given the sort of goals they've conceded recently. Um, but yeah, um, that's all basically for this week. We've got one more game that we haven't previewed from midweek. Um, Spurs against Brentford in the EFL Cup semi-final. Um, that should be quite an interesting game. You know, Spurs trying to get to a final. I think the first one in six years since they got to the 
um, well, first domestic cup final they've got to in six years if they if they beat Brentford since they lost the uh, League Cup to Chelsea. Um, but that should be an interesting tie. I think Brentford could you know put up a good fight there. United City is the other semi final as we've looked into before. Do you guys have any sort of predictions for those um, games? Who do you think will go through to the final, Ash? I think Manchester Derby is a good one. Um, I think City will win it. I think we win the game and then win the tournament because it's their trophy. They win it every year. I think they they're probably better. The United are on a good run, but their City are better than United. Like they just are. So I think on the day that you know, I think that they'll they'll win. Um, do I think Man United? Will I be surprised if United win? No, 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 I won't because their form is good, and it depends whether Ole, you know, how seriously he takes the game because he can kind of focus on the league and the fixture congestion there, and 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 play, play a slightly weaker side against City, or he can prioritise kind of silverware and go all out. Um, I think Pep Guardiola will play a full strength side because he knows that it'll be challenging for him this season to win the Premier League and the Champions League, um, FA Cups, anyone's guess. So he. You know, so so it would be good for him to have this trophy in the bag again. Um, so I think he'll fully go for it. And that's why I'm probably going to go with City. Um, having said that, again, as I say, United, if they carry on their form, I wouldn't be surprised if they won. Lawrence, how confident are you? Um, well, to answer your question about whether Ole will take it seriously, he will. Um, after the quarterfinal win, Ole was pretty adamant in, in saying, you know, this is not a competition we're taking lightly. We want to win trophies. And I think that will be reflected in the team selection. I think the same of Guardiola, um, who is, you know, um, as you said, has a great track record in the competition and always seems to put strong sides out. I think that it's very difficult to call the game. United, you know, have a. I mean, the, the recent game between United and City in the league was just awful in terms of uh, effort and quality. Um, I hope it won't be like that again. Um, but, you know, I mean, the result could go either way. The Spurs Brentford game. I know Ole loves to say that, you know, it's his team against the world, but I think in this case, yes, everyone in the world wants Brentford to win the game. Um, but I don't think they will because, you know, Spurs are a very good side. So yeah. Yeah. This is record. I, I I do agree with that. I think that City are in sort of ominous run of form, they will beat United and they'll beat most likely Spurs to win the title that they just completely have a stranglehold over it's their sort of guaranteed trophy for the year um so yeah um that's it for today's um first 2021 episode of you can't podcast with kids we started off strong boys so look forward to doing more pods with you uh, over the course of the season and indeed the year um i think it's the FA cup this weekend so we'll, we'll be back in a few days to sort of preview that but to just probably just talk more generally about just how the season's going as a whole perhaps delve into sort of more historical podcasts and talk more like about our favorite memories of football etc etc but yeah, in terms of today, thank you very much, Ash. Thank you very much, Lawrence. And no of course, seeing you guys next time. Thanks. See you.